We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. All right, we are here ready to present a final edition of the Bible Live here in the book of Judges. We're going to do the book of Ruth. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the book of Ruth. A respite indeed, a place of encouragement and recuperation after the book of Judges. In the book of Joshua, the people of Israel came into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. They had a 25-year period of war and conflict. Then they distribute the land to the different tribes, moved into their different allocated areas. And we see this 325-year period where there's a few bright lights, Deborah, even Gideon, even Samson, moments of hope and optimism and something positive. But in the most part, we see them abandoning the laws of God, compromising their values with those of the people around them. And it's uh, so discouraging because it seems too close to home. It's almost like what we're going through in America today. Judges chapter 18 is where we'll pick up. Right now, though, let's go to confession and forgiveness of sin in Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my shameful deeds. They haunt me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. 
You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the heart, so you can teach me to be wise in my inmost being. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to sinners, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that I may praise you. You would not be pleased with sacrifices, or I would bring them. If I brought you a burnt offering, you would not accept it. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit. A broken and repentant heart, O God, you will not despise. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with worthy sacrifices and with our whole burnt offerings. And bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. End of reading, Psalm 51. How he loves us all. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. We are going to continue now through the book of Judges. Picking up in chapter 18, we're going to read to the end of the book. We've gone through the 12 judges, 11 men, one woman. We have walked through their lives. Othniel, the nephew of Caleb. Ehud, the left-handed fellow who killed King Eglon of the Moabites. Shamgar, barely mentioned. He killed 600 Philistines with an ox goat. And then Deborah, this woman who helps bring a victory over a Canaanite oppressors. Then we got into Gideon and his tremendous contribution, but also his family problems that followed him were terrible. Tola, Jair, Jephthah, those are minor judges in a way. Jephthah, of course, was the one who made that rash vow. Then Ibsan, Elon, Abdon, and finally Samson. Now we've come to an experience where you see the people of Israel really struggling. Up in the tribe of Dan, you have a man who stole from his mother, then asked her forgiveness. Then they hired a Levite to be their priest. Now some traveling people from the tribe of Dan that did not drive those who worshipped idols out of their land, they're going to show up now, and they're taking that idol we're going to follow their experiences now Judges in the 18, book 11 of Judges. Through Judges 18. So 600 warriors from the tribe of Dan set out from Zorah and Eshtaol. They camped at a place west of Kiriath-Jerim in Judah, which is called Mahane-Dan to this day. Then they went up into the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. The five men who had scouted out the land around Laish said to the others, There is a shrine here with a sacred ephod, some household idols, a carved image, and a cast idol. It's obvious what we ought to do. So the five men went over to Micah's house where the young Levite lived and greeted him kindly. 
As the 600 warriors from the tribe of Dan stood just outside the gate, the five spies entered the shrine and took the carved image, the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the cast idol. When the priest saw the men carrying all the sacred objects out of Micah's shrine, he said, What are you doing? Be quiet and come with us, they said. Be a father and priest to all of us. Isn't it better to be a priest for an entire tribe of Israel than just for the household of one man? The young priest was quite happy to go with them, so he took along the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the carved image. They started on their way again, placing their children, livestock, and possessions in front of them. When the people from the tribe of Dan were quite a distance from Micah's home, Micah and some of his neighbors came chasing after them. They were shouting as they caught up with them. The men of Dan turned around and said, What do you want? Why have you called these men together and chased after us like this? What do you mean, what do I want? Micah replied. You've taken away all my gods and my priests, and I have nothing left. The men of Dan said, Watch what you say. Some of us are short-tempered, and they might get angry and kill you and your family. So the men of Dan went on their way. When Micah saw that there were too many of them for him to attack, he turned around and went home. Then, with Micah's idols and his priest, the men of Dan came to the town of Laish, whose people were peaceful and secure. They attacked and killed all the people and burned the town to the ground. There was no one to rescue the residents of the town, for they lived a great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. This happened in the valley near Beth Rehob. Then the people of the tribe of Dan rebuilt the town and lived there. They renamed the town Dan after their ancestor, Israel's son, but it had originally been called Laish. Then they set up the carved image, and they appointed Jonathan, son of Gershom, a descendant of Moses, as their priest. This family continued as priests for the tribe of Dan until the exile. So Micah's carved image was worshipped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle of God remained at Shiloh. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Judges 19. Now in those days Israel had no king. There was a man from the tribe of Levi living in a remote area of the hill country of Ephraim. One day he brought home a woman from Bethlehem in Judah to be his concubine, but she was unfaithful to him and returned to her father's home in Bethlehem. After about four months, her husband took a servant and an extra donkey to Bethlehem to persuade her to come back. When he arrived at her father's house, she took him inside, and her father welcomed him. Her father urged him to stay a while, so he stayed three days, eating, drinking, and sleeping there. On the fourth day, the man was up early, ready to leave, but the woman's father said, Have something to eat before you go. So the two of them sat down together and had something to eat and drink. Then the woman's father said, Please, stay the night and enjoy yourself. The man got up to leave, but his father-in-law kept urging him to stay. So he finally gave in and stayed the night. On the morning of the fifth day, he was up early again, ready to leave. And again the woman's father said, Have something to eat. Then you can leave sometime this afternoon. So they had another day of feasting. That afternoon, as he and his concubine and servant were preparing to leave, his father-in-law said, Look, it's getting late. Stay the night and enjoy yourself. Tomorrow you can get up early and be on your way. But this time the man was determined to leave. So he took his two saddled donkeys and his concubine and headed in the direction of Jebus, that is, Jerusalem. It was late in the day when they reached Jebus, and the man's servant said to him, It's getting too late to travel. Let's stay in this Jebusite town tonight. No, his master said, we can't stay in this foreign city where there are no Israelites. We will go on to Gebeah. We will find a place to spend the night in either Gebeah or Ramah. So they went on. The sun was setting as they came to Gebeah, a town in the land of Benjamin. So they stopped there to spend the night. They rested in the town square, but no one took them in for the night. 
That evening, an old man came home from his work in the fields. He was from the hill country of Ephraim, but he was living in Gebeah in the territory of Benjamin. When he saw the travelers sitting in the town square, he asked them where they were from and where they were going. We have been in Bethlehem in Judah, the man replied. We are on our way home to a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim, and we're going to the tabernacle of the Lord. But no one has taken us in for the night, even though we have everything we need. We have straw and fodder for our donkeys, and plenty of bread and wine for ourselves. You are welcome to stay with me, the old man said. I will give you anything you might need. But whatever you do, don't spend the night in the square. So he took them home with him and fed their donkeys. After they washed their feet, they had supper together. This is the Bible, lie, with Soapy Dollar. While they were enjoying themselves, some of the wicked men in the town surrounded the house. They began beating at the door and shouting to the old man, Bring out the man who is staying with you so we can have sex with him. The old man stepped outside to talk to them. No, my brothers, don't do such an evil thing, for this man is my guest, and such a thing would be shameful. Here, take my virgin daughter and this man's concubine. I will bring them out to you, and you can do whatever you like to them. But don't do such a shameful thing to this man. But they wouldn't listen to him. Then the Levite took his concubine and pushed her out the door. The men of the town abused her all night, taking turns raping her until morning. Finally at dawn they let her go. At daybreak the woman returned to the house where her husband was staying. She collapsed at the door of the house and lay there until it was light. When her husband opened the door to leave, he found her there. She was lying face down with her hands on the threshold. He said, Get up, let's go. But there was no answer. So he put her body on his donkey and took her home. When he got home, he took a knife and cut his concubine's body into twelve pieces. Then he sent one piece to each tribe of Israel. Everyone who saw it said such a horrible crime has not been committed since Israel left Egypt. Shouldn't we speak up and do something about this? Judges 20. Then all the Israelites from Dan to Beersheba and from the land of Gilead came together in one large assembly and stood in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. The leaders of all the people in all the tribes of Israel, 400,000 warriors armed with swords, took their positions in the assembly of the people of God. Word soon reached the land of Benjamin that the other tribes had gone up to Mizpah. The Israelites then asked how this terrible crime had happened. The Levite, the husband of the woman who had been murdered, said, My concubine and I came to Gibeah, a town in the land of Benjamin, to spend the night. That night some of the leaders of Gibeah surrounded the house, planning to kill me, and they raped my concubine until she was dead. So I cut her body into twelve pieces and sent the pieces throughout the land of Israel. For these men have committed this terrible and shameful crime. Now then the entire community of Israel must decide what should be done about this. And all the people stood up together and replied, Not one of us will return home. Instead, we will draw lots to decide who will attack Gebeah. One-tenth of the men from each tribe will be chosen to supply the warriors with food, and the rest of us will take revenge on Gebeah for this shameful thing they have done in Israel. So all the Israelites were united, and they gathered together to attack the town. The Israelites sent messengers to the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What a terrible thing has been done among you! Give up these evil men from Gibeah so we can execute them and purge Israel of this evil. But the people of Benjamin would not listen. Instead, they came from their towns and gathered at Gibeah to fight the Israelites. Twenty-six thousand of their warriors, armed with swords, arrived in Gibeah to join the seven hundred warriors who lived there. Seven hundred of Benjamin's warriors were left-handed, 
each of whom could sling a rock and hit a target within a hair's breadth without missing. Israel had 400,000 warriors armed with swords, not counting Benjamin's warriors. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God which tribe should lead the attack against the people of Benjamin. The Lord answered, Judah is to go first. So the Israelites left early the next morning and camped near Gibeah. Then they advanced toward Gibeah to attack the men of Benjamin. But Benjamin's warriors, who were defending the town, came out and killed 22,000 Israelites in the field that day. But the Israelites took courage and assembled at the same place they had fought the previous day. For they had gone up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord until evening. Then they asked the Lord, Should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again? And the Lord said, Go out and fight against them. So they went out to fight against the warriors of Benjamin. But the men of Benjamin killed another 18,000 Israelites, all of whom were experienced with a sword. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. And the Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. In those days the Ark of the Covenant of God was in Bethel, and Phinehas son of Eleazar and grandson of Aaron was the priest. The Israelites asked the Lord, Should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again, or should we stop? The Lord said, Go, tomorrow I will give you victory over them. So the Israelites set an ambush all around Gibeah. They went out on the third day and assembled at the same place as before. When the warriors of Benjamin came out to attack, they were drawn away from the town. And as they had done before, they began to kill the Israelites. About thirty Israelites died in the open fields and along the roads leading to Bethel and Gibeah. Then the warriors of Benjamin shouted, We're defeating them as we did in the first battle. But the Israelites had agreed in advance to run away so that the men of Benjamin would chase them along the roads and be drawn away from the town. When the main group of Israelite warriors reached Baal Tamar, they turned and prepared to attack. Then the Israelites, hiding in ambush west of Gibeah, jumped up from where they were and advanced against Benjamin from behind. The fighting was so heavy that Benjamin didn't realize the impending disaster. So the Lord helped Israel defeat Benjamin, and that day the Israelites killed 25,100 of Benjamin's warriors, all of whom were experienced with a sword. Then the men of Benjamin saw that they were beaten. The Israelites had retreated from Benjamin's warriors in order to give those hiding in ambush more room to maneuver. Then those who were in hiding rushed in from all sides and killed everyone in the town. They sent up a large cloud of smoke from the town, which was the signal for the Israelites to turn and attack Benjamin's warriors. By that time, Benjamin's warriors had killed about 30 Israelites, and they shouted, We're defeating them as we did in the first battle. But when the warriors of Benjamin looked behind them and saw the smoke rising into the sky from every part of the town, the Israelites turned and attacked. At this point, Benjamin's warriors realized disaster was near and became terrified. So they ran toward the wilderness, but the Israelites chased after them and killed them. The Israelites surrounded the men of Benjamin and were relentless in chasing them down, finally overtaking them east of Gibeah. Eighteen thousand of Benjamin's greatest warriors died in that day's battle. The survivors fled into the wilderness toward the Rock of Ramon, but Israel killed 5,000 of them along the road. They continued the chase until they had killed another 2,000 near Gedom. So the tribe of Benjamin lost 25,000 brave warriors that day, leaving only 600 men who escaped to the Rock of Ramon, where they lived for four months. Then the Israelites returned and slaughtered every living thing in all the towns, 
the people, the cattle, everything. They also burned down every town they came to. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Judges 21. The Israelites had vowed at Mizpah never to give their daughters in marriage to a man from the tribe of Benjamin. And the people went to Bethel and sat in the presence of God until evening, raising their voices and weeping bitterly. O Lord, God of Israel, they cried out. Why has this happened? Now one of our tribes is missing. Early the next morning, the people built an altar and presented their burnt offerings and peace offerings on it. Then they said, Was any tribe of Israel not represented when we held our council in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah? At that time, they had taken a solemn oath in the Lord's presence, vowing that anyone who refused to come must die. The Israelites felt deep sadness for Benjamin and said, Today we have lost one of the tribes from our family. It is nearly wiped out. How can we find wives for the few who remain, since we have sworn by the Lord not to give them our daughters in marriage? So they asked, Was anyone absent when we presented ourselves to the Lord at Mizpah? And they discovered that no one from Jabesh-Gilead had attended. For after they counted all the people, no one from Jabesh-Gilead was present. So they sent 12,000 warriors to Jabesh-Gilead with orders to kill everyone there, including women and children. This is what you are to do, they said. Completely destroy all the males and every woman who is not a virgin. Among the residents of Jabesh-Gilead, they found 400 young virgins who had never slept with a man, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. The Israelite assembly sent a peace delegation to the little remnant of Benjamin who were living at the rock of Ramon. Then the men of Benjamin returned to their homes, and the 400 women of Jabesh-Gilead who were spared were given to them as wives. But there were not enough women for all of them. The people felt sorry for Benjamin because the Lord had left this gap in the tribes of Israel. So the Israelite leaders asked, How can we find wives for the few who remain, since all the women of the tribe of Benjamin are dead? There must be heirs for the survivors, so that an entire tribe of Israel will not be lost forever. But we cannot give them our own daughters in marriage because we have sworn with a solemn oath that anyone who does this will fall under God's curse. Then they thought of the annual festival of the Lord held in Shiloh between Lebanon and Bethel along the east side of the road that goes from Bethel to Shechem. They told the men of Benjamin who still needed wives, Go and hide in the vineyards. When the women of Shiloh come out for their dances, rush out from your vineyards and each of you can take one of them home to be your wife. And when their fathers and brothers come to us in protest, we will tell them, Please be understanding. Let them have your daughters, for we didn't find enough wives for them when we destroyed Jabesh-Gilead. And you are not guilty of breaking the vow since you did not give your daughters in marriage to them. So the men of Benjamin did as they were told. They kidnapped the women who took part in the celebration and carried them off to the land of their own inheritance. Then they rebuilt the towns and lived in them. So the assembly of Israel departed by tribes and families, and they returned to their own homes. In those days, Israel had no king, so the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. End of reading, Judges 18.11 through 21.25. Love's like a hurricane, I am a tree, bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. This 
word is so powerful, so clear, so beautiful, even when it records the mistakes, the errors, the foolishness of us as human beings. And that's what we're looking at here in the book of Judges. We've read through it every year now since 2001. People from the tribe of Dan and this man named Micah who steals money from his mother, he gives it back to her. Then they build an idol in their home. First, he has one of his own sons installed as a priest. And then they hire this traveling Levite who comes and serves as their personal priest. Then comes this group from the tribe of Dan. They have not cleared out the land that was assigned to them. And so they're looking for some place to live. They find this town that they want to take over. They go back and get the 600 warriors. They steal the priest, the household idols and everything from Micah and his family. Then they go over and slaughter all of the people in this town of Laish. Oh, my land, it just keeps getting worse and worse. You can see that when you leave the worship of the true and living God, when you leave from following the laws of God, our way of relating to him and the way that we should live and relate to one another, when we abandon that and we go to our own ideas and our own thoughts, we read twice now in the reading tonight, this was a time when people did what was good in their own eyes. Everybody did what they felt like was best. And when we start leading our lives by our feelings, we are in terrible, terrible trouble. We cannot live our lives based on just how each of us feels at a given moment. Intuition may be good. Our dear sisters in Christ and our dear female citizens of this great state and nation for men as well. Our emotions might be good and our intuition might be great, but we can't live by intuition and emotions. We need a clear, objective standard that comes from God himself, that has stood the test of time. That is God's word, the commands of God. Our whole society here in America was based upon those clear, logical laws of God. Our Constitution came out of the Ten Commandments and the laws of God that were revealed here in Scripture. You can go back and check the documents, and you can see so many references to the Bible and to God's commands about how to live how to conduct ourselves, how to organize ourselves as a society. But we are in the same place. We are abandoning those clear, objective standards, and we are embracing how we feel about things. We're going to see the same kind of results that they saw here in this time of the judges. Moral, ethical, chaos, anarchy, and total collapse. Then we come to these last chapters, and we see this terrible experience of the Levite and his concubine who gets cut up and sent around the nation. Civil war breaks out, everyone ganging up on Benjamin. The book of Judges ends as it began with a physical catastrophe. They tore the fingers and toes off of a king in the early chapters, and now they cut up this woman. What a mess when we abandon God's laws We abandon our devotion to God. Now, during the time of the judges, the people of Israel experienced incredible problems because everyone became his own authority and they acted on their own opinions and their own feelings about what is right and wrong. And of course, this produced the horrendous results that we've read about. Today, our world is similar. Individuals, groups, societies, cities, communities, we make ourselves the final authority without reference to God. And when we do that, we selfishly satisfy our own personal desires at all costs, and everyone pays the price. It's the ultimate heroic act to submit all of our plans and desires and motives to God. To be truly heroic, we must go into battle each day to serve Him. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 
Soapy Reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 